Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And the international break uh, is over. By the time you're listening to this, the Premier League is about to resume. And I have spent most of the international break looking at the table, enjoying the sight of Spurs on top. Three games, three wins, no, no, no goals conceded, nine points. Meanwhile, Arsenal rock bottom, no wins, no goals scored, nine goals conceded, zero points. Uh, Jason, how do you feel about the, the state of the Premier League and Arsenal at the moment? Well, I believe if Spurs really believed that they'd be able to stay up and keep up that sort of form, they wouldn't deflect towards Arsenal and, you know, our position. But our position is, is what we are. I would, from, from my perspective, I would take Spurs with a pinch of salt. You know, uh, uh, City didn't turn up that first game. The other two games, I believe they were lucky. And Nuno's luck will run out and he'll probably be out by February. And I don't buy it for a second that Spurs are in contention for any title, top four at all. I think they made terrible signings, as I've mentioned. I think this Paratici man is a myth. And... Um, I, I wish I wish the club bad luck for the rest <laughs> of the, the season. Um, moving on to to, to to my contribution, really, the Arsenal. Um, it was a terrible, terrible end to the first bit of the season, pre the international break. I think the worst for me is when you go into a game knowing we will not get a result and we will probably have a bad performance. And to just show up, and not show any fight and just roll over is the most embarrassing thing. You know, the the lineup was odd. It kind of looked neither here nor there. It was inevitable we were going to get a sending off. Kolasinac at centre-back. It was an absolute disaster. And again, it all comes down to decision-making. If you know you're not going to be able to beat City at their own game, part of the bus. That's what you did in your first season, Mikel. And you've bought a keeper, play him. You know, you're, you're, you've got men out the door, don't play them. I'd, I'd rather play a 15-year-old centre-back from the academy who wants to be at the club than a 30-something-year-old who actively wants to leave and is terrible. I don't understand whether it was making a point to prove, but, you know, that's going on a micro-scale. On a macro-scale, it's a disaster. People have to remember that Brentford away game, I reckon any club could have slipped up in that, any of the big clubs. And those second two games were against the European champions, the runners-up in Europe, and the, and the league winners. I mean, they aren't easy, and probably over a season, if you lose those three games, it's not seen as an actual massive disaster. I think what makes it a disaster is the fact that they were all back-to-back at the start of the season, and after spending that money straight before that and the performances were objected. And, and, and this is why Saturday, I believe it's Saturday, the Norwich game becomes, you know, a must-must win and, and and a six-pointer at this stage. Because, a, relegation, a relegation battle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you don't want to be losing to them and be, really be rock bottom after that. You know, at the Emirates, I, I'd say anything less than a 3-0 victory uh, it's not good enough it's not good enough because we need to see a performance now from this team 
And I mean, we can go on and on and on about everything that's been going on the past few weeks. And I think Arsenal wheeling out Edu for that interview was embarrassing and talking about how we need to see the full team and, you know, there's a strategy. Well, there's clearly not a strategy because people keep talking about a project and not believing the project. But what is the project? Because the project, while well, we won the FA Cup, looks very different to the season after when we brought in William and Gabriel. I don't, I just don't understand what's going on. That's all I can say. It's just all confusing, all a mess. And for me, waiting for everyone to play together is not good enough because you've signed the Conga, who's supposed to be the third out of second choice centre mid. You've signed Ramsdale and you're clearly not interested in playing him. So it all kind of comes down to that. He's basically saying, wait and see Takahiro Tomiyasu play. So Takahiro Tomiyasu is going to be our saviour and is the difference between 20th and 4th. If you're, if you're going by Edu's logic. And I, and I can't buy it. And, and the fact that they've come out and whether it's a kiss of death or not, it sounds like they're trying to back Arteta and say, you know, we've given him that money to build the team he wants to do. If there was a style in place, fine. But there's no style in place. And we're going to be speaking about this in two months. Ultimately, my, my views haven't changed that the manager needs to go. There's enough in this squad and, and you know, you need someone brave who's going to go and do it because there's still a player now, Bamiyang. Regardless of the opposition, if he can score a hat trick, he's getting in the right places. Um, we know what our midfield can do at its peak. Um, and I believe that the, the defensive unit, listen, we've had a lot of defenders over the years. You can't tell me that none of them would do well as a unit. And remember, we were third best um, defence in the league last year. So, there's something there. I just think it's, it's all gone wrong. Sometimes you just need a reset. And, you know, Spurs have been there and they've been smart about it. You know, and uh, whether or not their manager is the right manager, I don't think he is. You know, they, they, they're trying something different. And, and based on three games, it's, it's, um, it's paying off, I suppose. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very frustrated. And I think I need to see some. As a fan, I need to see something that resembles style. I need to be able to say, this is how Arsenal play. And actually, funny enough, my dad said today, he said I was, he was watching TV and he saw the Wilshire goal against Norwich, the one that won goal of the season. He was like, wow. And I said, yeah, where's that Arsenal gone? When you knew that's the sort of thing you could produce. You know, with the Tottenham now, the sort of thing they're going to produce, a Kane stunner or a run for Son to, 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 to nick a goal. But... And City obviously have their tic-tac style of play, but we have nothing. We're, we're, we're Arsenal and we're a laughing stock. And I'm sick of our club being the meme and, uh, and the, the, the butt of the jokes. It's, been, it's, been, it's always been for a while. Everyone shuts up when we win the trophies. Um, but I do feel we're scapegoats. Spurs are as well, let's be honest. Um, but I think at the moment, we just need to shut the, shut the media up. And just show, you know, we're obviously not getting relegated, but obviously not that bad. It's three games in the season. And we have a plan. But, you know, that's up to the board and the manager to 
to, to articulate the plan well. And I think they tried to articulate the strategy last week, but it's all very obvious and it, it doesn't add up with the actions off the pitch and on the pitch. So until we see something that resembles an identity, then it's just going from week to week, game to game, waiting for the inevitable to happen. And that writes off this season pretty much already. There's another transition season. And the season after is another full season transition for a new manager. Where does it end, Michael? Where does it end? Well, I know where I'd like I'd like it to end, which is Arsenal in the Championship. But I, I think I begrudgingly have to agree that you're too good to go down. Although you know it can be famous last words. Um, I just think I just want to emphasize again the fact that, that Spurs are top and Arsenal bottom, which has never happened before. It's the first time in history that we've been top and you've been bottom at the same time. Which uh, after only three games, if it was after uh, thirty games, I'd be a little bit more worried. Yeah, well, if it, if it happens after 38 games, then I think um, I'm, I'm not sure whether we'll ever do another episode of this podcast again. I'm not sure how we'd be able to to top that. But <laughs> no, I mean, it's been absolutely delightful start to the season as far as I'm concerned, not just through seeing Spurs pick up three wins in, in three difficult matches, but to see the crisis at Arsenal. I think, to be fair to you, you're right in that the three fixtures you've had have been quite tough. Brentford away under those circumstances. I think you're right in that any other team in the league might have struggled there. I mean, maybe only City, you'd think, could go there and, and potentially still stroll it. But it, it was probably the worst possible time to, to play Brentford, their first game back in the top flight for however long it was, first game in the, with fans in the new stadium. And then, yeah, you had the, the European champions and, and the league champions as well. But I think it's the the manner of the defeats, like you said, particularly that City game, when you, you compare it to our game against City, I know we were playing City at different times. They're a bit more up to speed when you were playing them. But even still, there, there was such a marked difference, I thought, from what I saw of the, the City-Arsenal game. I, I missed the first bit, but I watched the second half and was just hoping that City would keep scoring. I was rather disappointed they stopped at five. I feel like Pep might have told them to go easy on his friend Arteta because I agree. I, I thought that, you know, City could have gone for double figures if they'd really been up for it. Yeah, um, I agree. But yeah, it was just the way, it was just the, you know, the Xhaka red card as well. And just, it all seemed so sort of like you you were defeated before you'd even began. And you, you mentioning Wilshire is quite interesting, actually, and, and that goal against um, Norwich, because I was reading an interview with Wilshire in The Athletic where he was talking about his struggles finding a club. And he mentioned about the young players coming through at Arsenal. It does seem like a lot of your project is kind of focused around young players. And he was talking about when he came through and the other young players at Arsenal at the time. But he said, you know, when he was coming through, he was coming into a team that had, uh, you know, your Van Persies, your Cesc Fabregas, your, your Adebayor. It was a team that was still playing. Uh, these aren't his words now. I'm kind of paraphrasing and, and projecting here. But he said you know, it was a success, reasonably successful team. You had Arsene Wenger. You had that experience. And you had that, I suppose, you still had that sort of residual culture of success at Arsenal, even though it was starting to dip and starting to decline. Those youngsters were coming into a well-oiled machine almost. But at Arsenal at the moment, it seems like, you know, your best players are the youngsters, your Sackers, your Smith Rowe's. But the, the, the team that they're coming in, you know, they're coming into a team... Uh, with an inexperienced manager that's got this reputation, like you said, as a, as a laughing stock, as a meme, they're not coming into 
a successful setup. They don't have the experienced players there who are setting that example. So it almost seems like, you know, like you said about where you go from here, it's like you're, you're doing a project youth, but you don't have the right role models for that youth around, it seems. And I was staggered to find out that Arsenal spent more than anyone else this summer when you consider some of the, the, the fees that have gone around. But it seems like you haven't really, you know, okay, Ben White, Aaron Ramsdale, but, and Tommy Asu now that you mentioned, but I mean, are any of these signings really going to take you to that next level? It's a lot of money, but it's on players who I think at best just keep you where you are at the moment. I'm not sure. I, I think, I think even Edu said though, you know, we're looking, we're not just looking at this year, we're looking at two, three, five years time. They clearly believe that we need, we're not going to be able to compete. So let's compete for the future. And, and it's sad to hear that. But in three years' time, there's no reason why Ramsdale, Lukonga, Ben White, Odegaard, Tomoyasu, Taveras can't be, I wouldn't say world beaters, but certainly Premier League regulars. You know, Arsenal were very well known for that. But do you we think it's bringing these think absolute can, unknowns? Do you think, though, when you do a project use, because when you spend as much as you spend, but it's all, oh, but it's for the few. I mean, do you, do you think you can do a project youth spending that sort of money? Because when you spend that sort of money, does it not bring expectations for short, you know, for immediate results for Arteta? For sure. From the from it externally, it does. But internally, if it's something they've decided, you know, they're going to say, we're not going to be pipped to these players anymore. We're going we're gonna to buy the best young talent from what we've identified through data. And we believe that they represent the Arsenal DNA and the Arsenal we want to see long term. And ultimately, I don't think they're naive enough to think that these players, sorry, Arteta will outlive these players. I think they've got the full intention of we're investing in these guys, not Arteta. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. When you spend that money, I, I'd love, I would have preferred Ronaldo, Varane and Sancho. That's for sure. Um, but we can't attract those players, unfortunately. And I think a lot of it to, is to do with the Super League and, and, and putting on a bit of a statement and showing you we, we can spend some money. We do care about the fans. Um, I feel like maybe if we've gone and signed a, a James Madison or, or something else, someone, a bigger name on paper, people might have, you know, this narrative wouldn't be quite there. But... I do agree with you. I think it's just, I think things are skewed by Ben White. I still think Ramsdale, in footballing terms, maybe goalkeeping terms, yes, it's a lot. In footballing terms, I don't think it's a lot of money. Um, Tommy Asu's good value. Odegaard certainly good value. Lacan good value. I think it's all skewed by, by Ben White. And, uh, you know, for someone who's being um, touted as the, next England cap well an England captain in the future someone who can play with his feet and the mastermind everyone loves Bielsa waxing lyrical over him then so be it you know and Spurs have almost spent the same amount on someone who can't even get his uh, his COVID rules right so <laughs> with all due respect I, I think uh, I, I, I think we've done good deals there well it's interesting because I, I feel like Spurs and Arsenal have both adopted a similar strategy this summer in terms of transfers in that you look at the players and they all seem like ones who've been signed with the long term in mind rather than the short term. 
but I feel like we've done it by spending significantly less money. Okay, there's a, there's a comparison in terms of the fee we paid for Romero and what you you've paid for Ben White. Although I think the Romero fee, is, I think he's on a loan with then an obligation to buy. So we've pushed that fee back to next summer, which is maybe why when it comes up with how much money teams have spent this summer, ours isn't as high as perhaps it should be. But it seems like we, we've adopted a similar strategy, but we've done it spending far less, which I feel like is almost, I mean, I guess it depends on how much it then impacts your future business, because are you going to continue to spend this amount of money every summer? Or now you've spent however much it is you spent this summer, are the club going to be like, well, right, we've we had our spending spree. Now you need to kind of make the most of this, these players and we're, or we're going to have to buy cheaper players in the future. We would have thought that after spending what was said to be £72 million on Pepe, but mm. they seem to keep on going. Obviously, obviously, there's more money in this club than we think. Um, you know, we are still a big club on paper and we have owners who have the money. So I think they'd find the money if they needed it. But I think they've got in their minds this kind of limit of what they're willing to pay. And... and you know, based on the profile player. So Pepe was expensive, Ben White was expensive, but they were very, very young. So they obviously believed the risk was worth taking because if it if it boomed, they'd be able to make their money back and get the success out of them or make a profit. And if it didn't boom, then they'd still be young enough to get a decent fee um, so the losses aren't a complete write-off, I believe. Mm. Mind you, I find it hard to believe that there's a, there's a world in which even where he does well, where you can then sell Pepe on for like 140 million. I mean, that's that's hoping that he's he's like the next Messi or something to get your money back on 72 million. But I see what you mean. I mean, and particularly these days, you know, the, the football market's gone so crazy. You have to pay ridiculous fees almost just to get decent players, let alone then the actual world class, ready made you know, ready to go superstar. Yeah. But it and just feels know, like Arsenal's recruitment over the years, you know, it, it feels like there's been a lot of flops. And it just, I, I, I'm confused as to why, because it felt like in the Wenger days, particularly, these gems you picked up would pay off. Whereas it seems like post-Wenger, there's been a lot more misses than than hits in terms of Arsenal's transfers. Mm, I mean, you, you know from all these books we read that, you know, football transfer figures are, are very um, sensationalised. You know, it, it's all out about making up in clauses, and it's all paid in instalments. So a lot of the time, it doesn't actually get up to that that fee they talk about. But yeah, I think Wenger had as many duds, but I think he also had more successes. So there were the, you know, the Scalacci's and the uh, Sylvester's and Bentners and Chamax and the Nielsen's. But again, even they were probably better than the duds we have at the moment. Um, I, st- I, I, I sadly believe that if Arsene Wenger was in charge of this squad, he still probably would have gotten fourth place <laughs> last season. Do you think as well that Wenger should be... Because I was I was listening to, um, to mention The Athletic again. We're not, we're not part of them or sponsored by them in any way. But I was listening to one of their podcasts and they were talking about the role that supposedly Alex Ferguson played in convincing Ronaldo to come back to Man United mm. and they one of them mentioned you know why isn't why have why aren't Arsenal using Wenger in the same way that United have used Alex Ferguson now it might be that Wenger doesn't want to be involved in that way obviously he's got his job at FIFA now trying to ruin the World Cup for everyone but do you not think that you know for football's sake so we don't have a World Cup every two years that Arsenal could bring Wenger back in some sort of sporting director role or on the board almost to maybe provide that bit of 
experience and input that perhaps the the top of the club is missing at the moment from a, a footballing point of view? I think I think the problem is that the there must be something on board level which means that that ties are severed. Otherwise, I think that would have happened pretty soon. And I think we need to move on from that thinking. You know, it's a different club. We've managed to to steal the power away from that centralized system, uh, decentralized system rather. And you know, now we can bring in someone experienced, but not archaic. So, you know, I, I'm thinking in terms of, if you think about it, like manager perspective, someone like a, you'd probably argue Pochettino at this stage has enough experience, but is still young enough that it doesn't feel like his ideas are old. Whereas someone like Mourinho or Ancelotti, it feels like they're old. And certainly, you know, that's why, I mean, I'm not sure how old Ralph Regnick is, but he certainly isn't as old as, as Arsene Wenger, that kind of younger dynamic thinking would be better in the club now. I, I think I think it's past those Wenger days and we need to create our own identity. Like, well, actually, funny enough, I was going to say like uh, Man United, but it sounds like Fergie was pulling the strings over the uh, international break. And, you know, it's not a coincidence that his disciple Solskjaer stayed in the job for so long, in my opinion. I'm sure there's been some mentoring and, and advice going on there. So so you might be right on that front. Maybe maybe someone like Wenger would be okay. I mean, I know I'm contradicting myself, but I just feel from a fan's perspective, we don't want it because it will always be that shadow of Arsene Wenger. And we need to emerge through this period. We're not the Arsene Wenger club, we're Arsenal Football Club. And like we went through the, the George Graham days and the Herbert Chapman days, like Spurs went through the... Um, Bill Nicholson days, you know, you know, you, you move on, you, you, you evolve as a club. Um, whether or not we need a, a total revolution in terms of being purchased as a club and, you know, bringing in a whole different board and different structure and different dynamic, that, that, that's a, that's a question for another podcast, I believe. <laughs> and how many, you mentioned the Norwich game. I think you've then got, what, Burnley, and then it's the North London derby, which would be typical if if that's the game when you decide to turn it around. But taking those three games, what does Arteta need, do you think, to stay in a job? Six points minimum? Six points from the next... Next three? The next three. Considering you've got, what, Norwich, uh, which, as we said, relegation six-pointer against Norwich. And okay. then I've... The, the believe fixtures. you've got Burnley after that. Burnley away, which is a tough game. Wimbledon at home, Spurs at home. I mean, people say if we were to lose, we're going to win against Norwich. I have no doubt about that. We're going to win that cup game. We'll probably lose to Burnley or get a draw. I still think they'll give him this time ridiculously, even against Spurs, against Brighton away. But it does get to a point where you look at the fixtures and you think to yourself, bar the home fixtures against Palace, Newcastle, Watford, you're thinking we could probably lose all these games till Christmas. (laughs) Unbelievably. I I don't know. I I don't think it's as short term as that. I think if they were going to sack him, they would have already sacked him by now. I think they're in it for some sort of long haul until it becomes unattainable. And unattainable is that scenario where by Christmas we uh, practically in a mathematical relegation battle and 
practically mathematically out of the top four race. And I know it sounds ridiculous saying top four, but I genuinely believe that was what they were expecting this season. And what the fa- that's what the fans wanted. We thought we're a couple of signings away if we could get it right. Um, but I think we're, we're miles away from that now until, until we get a Conte-ish manager in, which, which also sounds a bit deluded at this rate. But um, we've spoken a lot about Arsenal and I do want to keep on going because I think there's a lot of issues to discuss. But I don't feel jealous of Spurs because I think, as I said at the beginning, I feel like a little bit of delusion is creeping in again that, you know, you've had three good results, yes. And it's the first time you've done it. Well done. Have a, have a trophy. But ultimately, your star player, yes, you kept him against his will. And yes, he's doing all right again. But you didn't really in the squad still to make this sustainable. And I guess I'm, I'm picking at straws because it's hard, it's, hard to, it's hard to really bash a club when they've just won three games in a row and not conceded a goal. But I do think, again, on, on, a, on a wider scale... Brian Gill, um, Christian Romero, something something Gallini, and Royale now. Emerson Royale is coming. Emerson Royale, who, by the way, is a myth. All these Spurs fans saying, "Oh, we've signed the best right back." Didn't play for Barcelona once. <laughs> Didn't play for Barcelona once. So he's not Barcelona's Royale. He's Betis's Royale, and. Quite frankly, I watched Hanganga the other day and he looked like your best player by a mile. So you're basically pushing out your best player for a new player who's a myth. And I don't know, it doesn't feel like they step up. It's always the same flat transfer policy, one in, one out. You know, here, buy Lamella, bring in Gill, buy uh, Alderweireld, bring in um, Romero. When is Spurs going to take a step up? That, that's why I'm not convinced that, that there'll be anything special this year because me from the from the outside it looks like same old and and i guess you could argue for arsenal the same but at least we've gone for some players that people know and they're, they're premier league proven i mean i don't know what's going on at spurs personally with that with that transfer policy and you know talking about oh well it was this paratici's done wonders he's brought in he's brought in what one one two players from italy from from average teams with no other clubs fighting for them not exactly world-class uh, sporting directors, is it? Well, I, I find it funny how critical you are of the, of the Spurs uh, transfer policy when it is literally the same as Arsenal's. Um, you're right that your p- players are more Premier League proven but that, and you've spent more on them, but that's exactly why I made the point that surely the club can't get away with saying, oh, this is all for the future. You need the short-term results. If you've got proven Premier League players and you've spent more money than any, anyone else, you need to start showing it now. Um but I, I agree with you to an extent that I, I don't think the squad is stronger than it was last season, particularly if you consider Gareth Bale and Carlos Vinicius, who actually both scored more goals across all competitions than I think people realise. They were both on loan. We didn't make either of their loans permanent. Um, I mean, Bale's probably didn't want to, probably quite happy to go back to Madrid. Now Ancelotti's there. He's playing, he's scoring again. Um, but we haven't replaced either of those. And it does seem like, once again, we are very reliant on Kane and Son if they get injured then I think we'll be in, in big trouble again. But what I like about the transfer policy is that it does seem at least we have 
a strategy again because towards the end under Pochettino and certainly throughout Mourinho's brief time at the club, the the transfer business seemed very haphazard and scattershot. There didn't really seem to be a plan to it. Whereas this time, you know, you mentioned it, it has been one in, one out. And it's clear, and Paratici said as much himself, that the objective was to bring the age of the squad down, to freshen up the team. So get rid of the older players and bring through some youngsters. And I think Hugo Lloris is now our only player over the age of 30. I think I read somewhere that like the average age of the players who got rid of was around 31. And the average age of the players who brought in is around 21. So it's okay. clear that there's been a, a remit to, to freshen up that squad. And I think it was needed because really the we had success under Pochettino because we had a young, hungry group of players. You know, we brought in the likes of Delhi and Son and Ericsson at the time for relatively low fees when they were pretty young. And that was that was what the Pochettino kind of success was built on, the, these young players. So I'm, I don't mind us going back to that sort of strategy. It's what brought us success in the past. We're not going to be able to compete with City or Chelsea in terms of wages or transfer fees. You know, if we go in for a player and Chelsea and City are interested in them as well, we're not going to be able to win that battle financially. So we have to do things a bit differently, get younger players and 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 like you said with Arsenal, kind of gamble in a sense on that potential. Um it does worry me that that none of the players are Premier League proven. It, it can take time, you know, arguably Tangy and Domble still hasn't adjusted to the Premier League. So and it does worry me is Romero, who is probably the one signing you would have looked at and thought, OK, well, he's the one who's going to come in and make an impact. He was defender of the year in Serie A last season, been in the Champions League, won the Copa America this summer. Defence is where he needed to strengthen. So you thought, yeah, he's the guy. But now with all this nonsense with the quarantine rules in South America, I mean, he's probably not going to play between now and the end of the year. So that does throw a bit of a spanner in the works. With the Royale thing, what I'd say is, I agree that I think Tangang has been one of our best players, but I think his long-term future probably is at centre-back. I, I was at the Watford game, which was my first game back at the stadium for 17 months. Very nice to be back. But what I thought watching Tanganga was that he's great defensively, but when he's going forwards, I don't think he's anywhere near as, as comfortable. And there were loads of opportunities where he was out wide and his, his crossing into the box just wasn't what you want from your fullbacks, particularly... Uh, in, in this day and age where the fullbacks are expected to contribute so much attacking-wise. And Tanganga did start out as a centre-back. So I actually think Tanganga and and uh, Royale could be, you know, in the same team together with Tanganga at centre-back, Royale at right-back. And Royale and, and Reguillon could kind of give us that width and that, that danger from the wings, which I think we'll need because uh, I think we are missing a bit of creativity. And, you know, I, I, I do wish we'd signed, you know, an Adama Traore, for example, or Husamawa, we were linked to both of those. I think we are missing that certain something. I think, you know, we're reliant again on the same group of players up front. But I guess on the flip side, the hope is that Nuno will get more out of players like Delhi and Bergwijn, who didn't feature as much under Mourinho last season. Um, and, you know, maybe Brian Hill, if he can, he, he's been looked at as one for the future, but he, I think he played both of the Conference League games. He came on as a sub against Watford. Maybe he'll be more involved uh, than we think. So who knows? I mean, I remember when we first bought Delhi, people thought, oh, yeah, that's one for the future. We won't see him for years. And then he made this huge instant impact. So who's to say uh, none of these other players might? But I, I definitely get where you're coming from. It's interesting because I think there definitely is a split amongst Spurs fans as to how good we think our business has been this summer. And I think it just depends on how much stock you kind of put in the 
potential of, of these young players. It, to an extent, I don't think potentially either of us will really know how successful our transfer windows have been this summer until two or three seasons time almost, because that's when you're banking on these players really flourishing and, and showing what they can do. So I'd say short term, we're arguably worse off, but potentially in the long term, we could be better off. Um, but I'm definitely enjoying being top of the table while I can, because I do agree that I think we will come back down to earth after this international break. We've got Palace away, uh, Chelsea, and then Arsenal, three, cool. lo- three London derbies. Um, I think this will be the real test of, of where we are, how much progress we've made. And I think definitely in these first three games, we've got the results. We've been well organised. You can't complain with three wins, no goals conceded. The only team in the league with 100% record. But I think we've definitely been functional rather than free-flowing. It's been more about the organisation and the work ethic more than I think it's been about the kind of sparkling football. And I think when we come up against, you know, these three games now, we'll need to produce more. And maybe that would be partly Harry Kane stepping up now. He's, you know, obviously missed a bit of pre-season infamously, but this international break might have done him good in terms of getting back up to speed. And I know he, he scored a couple in the Conference League, but if he can get off the mark in the Premier League and, and, and step up, in these big games against Chelsea and Arsenal, then maybe that can give us that little bit of uh, spark we're missing up front to, to score more than one goal in a game. Because I think, you know, we can't win every game 1-0. We are going to need to produce a bit more up front. So hopefully Kane can give us that. But yeah, I think I'm definitely going to look at the, t- the table a few more times before Saturday because I don't think it's going to look like that for very long. Screenshot galore, I'd say. Yeah. Can't fit Arsenal in the screenshot though. I try and fit Spurs and Arsenal in the same screenshot, but... I have to scroll down to get Arsenal and then it, it cuts off Spurs at the top. So Clearly just haven't got a big enough phone. I mean, yeah. you need to uh, invest in one of those uh, tablets. I think that's the way to go <laughs> if you're going to look at football tables. But I mean, first of all, what, what struck me is that if Lloris is your oldest player on the pitch, then there's a serious HR issue going on with, uh, with, your, with your team there. I mean, it's very interesting how, you know, you can't discriminate like that in a workplace, God forbid, but... You know, the football teams seem to be able to say, oh, you're over 30, old, bye. No contracts, less pay, less hours working. Doesn't sound great. Um, it'll be interesting to see because I heard a rumour that Son picked up a little knock. And if he was out, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what, what happens to this Spurs team um, under Nuno. And, you know, there could be a little shock factor if, you know, Patrick Vieira in the dugout at Selhurst Park got his first result the other day who knows uh that would be a real story um i'm sure the spurs fans will be heckling him from the first time he gets down to the into the dugout but uh yeah who knows he could be he could be beaten by the next arsenal manager potentially i mean it, it would be you know it is the narrative isn't it for Vieira to get his first league win against spurs and then if we do lose that Palace game, which, to be honest, I think we might do because we've had a horrendous international break, as you've mentioned, with the Son, Knock, I think Skip, uh, Sessegnon have both picked up uh, injuries playing for the under-21s. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've had the whole incident with Romero, Lo Celso, Sanchez. None of them will be available. Um, hopefully, Harry Kane doesn't get injured tonight. But, yeah, it does seem like that's a match where we could get kind of caught cold a bit from the international break. First game back from international break, maybe it's it's kind of halted the momentum we were building up with those three wins. It's all been disrupted now. And then, yeah, if we do lose that Palace game and then we're going into a match against Chelsea after that, 
you could imagine us losing both of those. And then, you know, if you beat Norwich and, and maybe got a result against Burnley, going into that North London derby, it could be us who are the team sort of under pressure and, and needing a result rather than Arsenal. You could be going into that game in, in much better spirits than we are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it would be interesting to see whether Spurs under Nuno are the real deal or whether it's a bit of complacency creeps in. I mean, it will, time will tell very quickly. Those are three games that I think will will pretty much be a blueprint for how the rest of the first half of the season will go, bar any injuries. You know, you're playing, as you said, three London derbies, big games, big teams, tricky away games. Um, and I, 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 for one, can't wait to see us finish above you very soon. I mean, I, I still believe we can if we change our manager and we, we get these players playing together. There's no reason why we can't go on a nice little run, as Arsenal always seem to do, by the way. Everyone forgets. They always... Uh, they always bash the Arsenal. Remember, we had such a bad start last season and we still managed to uh, to get within six points of, of top four. So let's not rule rule out the Gunners just yet. But Six um, points within top four, but but what was the, the actual league position? Well, it's it, it's irrelevant. It's just <laughs> positions are positions. You know, we can't all finish in the top four. So, you know, it's, it's all about looking at how far far are we away from it and, and that was two wins away two silly wins two you know sh- less Shaka uh, and Pepe red cards uh, and we're in the money in my opinion interesting well I mean I, I would like to before things do all go spectacularly wrong I, I will applaud Nuno I, they haven't announced it yet but I presume he must be manager of the month for August, which is, I mean, I kind of hope he doesn't win because it's usually the kiss of death. Whichever team's manager wins manager of the month, they then definitely lose the next game. But mm. I think Nuno does deserve some credit for navigating these first three fixtures, particularly given the Harry Kane saga, like you said. Um, I'm sure he must have been quite annoyed about everything that's happened in this international break, particularly with the uh, South American players. He must have thought, you know, the transfer window shut, the Harry Kane stuff finally put to bed. He must have been thinking, great, I can finally relax focus on the football, no more, no more drama, no more players making headlines for the wrong reasons. And then that happens and he's got another, another thing to deal with. Um, but hopefully he can cope with it as well as he coped with the, the, the first uh, tricky few games of the season. I did think you were about to announce a new Nuno contract. I thought that's very Spurs. <laughs> Extension a, already. Contract for life. Um, we haven't spoken about, you know, the transfer window, really the end of the transfer window. I mean, it wasn't very exciting on, on the Spurs front apart from that Royale thing and obviously Arsenal brought in our saviour Takiro Tomiyasu um, what do you think about the so-called King returning the greatest player of all time they argue Cristiano yeah I was, I was trying to see if I could make a joke about one of our signings but no yeah <laughs> Ronaldo back um, I'm I'm not I mean look I get from an emotional point of view for Man United fans, why they're so excited. Obviously we had the Bale homecoming last season. I'm sure very, he's going to very, score. Very comparable, very comparable. Uh, well, contributions to the game. you know, similar, both Real Madrid players, both won lots of Champions Leagues. I'd argue Bale had a bigger impact in some of those Champions League finals than Ronaldo did. Um, the overhead kick famously. Um, but yeah, so I get why Man United fans are so excited. He'll, he'll score loads of goals for sure. But I, I don't know whether it's enough for them to bridge the gap to City in the league or to win the Champions League. 
It's almost uh, a poison chalice for, for Solskjaer because if he doesn't now do something great, he's almost losing his job over this kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's a nice problem to have, but I don't know how he keeps all these players happy because they, they kept Cavani for an extra, you know, signed Cavani up for an extra year, um, presumably on the basis that, that he would be the kind of talisman experienced striker. He'll, he'll play less now. They're, they're big money signing up front with Sancho. Um, Bruno Fernandes, whenever I've watched Portugal, Bruno Fernandes doesn't seem to have as much of an impact, you know, when Ronaldo's there, it seems like Ronaldo kind of gets in his way a bit. You've got, you know, Greenwood's had a great start to the season. How does this affect him? You've, you've still got Rashford, a case injured at the moment, but when he comes back, Lingard's still there. I don't know why he's still there. Why they didn't yeah, that's shocking. Uh, so you've got all these attacking players and I don't see, you know, okay. Yeah. Great strength in depth means you can rotate for the cups, but I don't see how you keep them all happy. And presumably Ronaldo is going to play, you know, if Ronaldo wants to play, he'll play and it's fitting everyone else around him. But at Juventus, it didn't exactly work out bringing Ronaldo in, in terms of what they wanted to do. They wanted to win the champions league. They, they were further away with Ronaldo than they were before. Yeah. Uh, they even lost the, 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 the title to Inter Milan. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think definitely he has no excuses now. Uh, he's not won a trophy with United. Um, if they don't win one this season with Ronaldo, then, I don't know, may, I have this nightmare scenario that Pochettino mm. isn't going to succeed at PSG. He's, in a way, a similar problem to Solskjaer. Solskjaer will get sacked at United because they'll fall short despite all this talent. And then, as they wanted him all along, United will snap up Pochettino. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't anyway. I think giving Solskjaer a new contract was absolutely bizarre. And I reckon it was a... I reckon it's a classic being being in the in crowd and saying, listen, I've only got a year. I need a bit of security for my family and my job. Just to take the conversation off me, give me an extension. Um, it doesn't feel competitive. I, I, I still don't get it. I, I think, I mean, you'd argue Arteta's done better than Solskjaer. In terms of success, fine. They got to Europa League final. Fine, they they got second. But where's the trophy? Where's the where's the celebration, the end to make it happen? Albeit I'd rather be in United's position now, longer term. But putting the managers together, Solskjaer. That shows, though, doesn't it, the the limits of um, using trophies as the be-all and end-all. Because, yeah, purely on trophy count, Arteta's done a, a better job. But, like as you said, you'd much rather be in United shoes than Arsenal's right now. I suppose if you use the trophy argument, you could be saying Roberto Martinez is a better manager than um, Pochettino for in, in England. Yeah. Which could be. Listen, could be a future Spurs manager when things go to pot with the Nuno. Or a future Arsenal manager. Yes, you're not wrong. Bring in uh, Thierry Henry as well. The dream as team. sidekick. Wouldn't surprise me. How much does um, Ronaldo coming back change your, your predictions for the season? Do you think it, it solidifies United's top four position or... Do you think yeah, I think I think they've got too much, and that if they if they think they're not going near it, they probably will get rid of the manager and do something drastic, or buy someone in January somehow. Um, yeah, I, for me, it's Chelsea, City, 
United are pretty much bang on. Um, I think my Leicester prediction, it looks like so, uh, Soyuncu has just become Squilacci. I don't know what's happened. I keep hearing he had a bad international break as well. Um, so fourth is still up for grabs. I think, listen, Liverpool started okay. Can't complain too much, although Chelsea were a little bit, almost a little bit too much for them. Um, don't know. It's still I mean, right, right now, you'd say nine points. Spurs have put themselves in it. You know, people were writing us off for the top four, not even having us as part of the conversation. I'm not saying we will finish top four, but you could argue these first three games, we've shown that we still deserve to be considered a contender for the top four, more so than you know, more more than people were giving us credit for before the season began. Yeah, but then again, you've got a uh, West Ham and Everton banging on the door, and even Brighton had a good start. So you never know. Yeah, Brighton can actually. Uh, they were obviously the, the kings of of XG last season. I think if they'd fulfilled their XG last season, they would have been in the, the top four hunt. So maybe this is the year where Brighton do actually do that, and we'll both be wishing that we'd hired Graham Potter. Well, listen, he's he's done very well to keep. Uh, Basuma, a player that we definitely could have done with. Um, and, you know, losing Ben White, I think they're in a much better position, it sounds like. If they can still defend, still get results and points on the board and have 50 million in the bank, allegedly, that's uh, that's pretty good going for them, I'd say. Does that, does that not worry you, though, as an Arsenal fan? Does that maybe suggest that it was less to do with Ben White and more to do with Brighton, if they're, lo- if they're looking so good without him? Everything worries me. Arsenal. <laughs> um, but no, I still stand by. You don't spend money on a player like that unless you're, you've got a good reason to do so because they could have got bigger name players probably for the same price, if not less. Um, but then again, we did sign Nicola Pepe for that steal of a deal. So you never know. But I, 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 I'm... I'm optimistic that this isn't one of those dodgy deals. These are this is an above board, you know. This is what we we value him at, and this is what we think he could he could be the next Harry Maguire. Well, in in Ben White, you trust in Nuno, I trust, and, uh, and in we'll Arteta see. we rust, and in in Arteta we rust, yeah, and. We'll see if uh, this beautiful state of affairs with the North London sides bookending the table. Uh, can continue for another week at least.